you know what it's like um, when you are telling somebody about something really awesome that happened in your life, something that would be really awesome for them too, but you can kind of tell by their response, oh, that, that's nice. Or, or by that, that blank look that they're staring at you with that they haven't really heard you, right? You know what that's like? Um, and then, of course, when they actually see what it is that you've been trying to tell them about, it's like their eyes pop open in amazement as, as if to say, oh, wow, why didn't you tell me about that? And, and you're nearly screaming inside, that's what I was trying to tell you about. I, I think, in a sense, this is how it must have been for Jesus um, during those 40 days after his resurrection. I think he must have had a lot of moments like that. Trying to explain, trying to say that to his disciples. So, our text, uh, that's kind of where our text picks up. He said to them, This is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. So in other words, hopefully, hopefully you, you will now understand uh, what seemed to be so foreign to you when I told you not long ago. Um, and he said not long ago, this is if we go back to Luke 18... So this was just before Holy Week. He says, We are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written by the prophets about the Son of Man will be fulfilled. He will be handed over to the Gentiles. They will mock him, insult him, spit on him, flog him, and kill him. On the third day he will rise again. And then it says, The disciples did not understand any of this. Its meaning was hidden from them, and they did not know what he was talking about. But now that he had died and risen again, Jesus was saying, this is what I was trying to tell you about. Before, this is what I was trying to tell you about. Interestingly, Jesus says, while I was still with you. It's kind of striking, isn't it? Because he, as far as we know, he, he was with them. He was right there with them. He was there with them. He was talking with them. But he says, while I was still with you, as if he wasn't. It's kind of striking because um, now that Jesus... He had died and he is risen. Jesus wasn't connected to the mortal world. He wasn't connected with his mortal disciples in the same way that he had been before he had died and risen again. Jesus now has this glorified body that you and I will one day have. So a, a new chapter is beginning here. So Jesus is saying, while I was still with you, I guess before I had this glorified body. So this is a new chapter, one that we get to look forward to one day, when, when God gives us those new glorified bodies. And then he says, everything must be fulfilled that is written about me. You've heard the stats. Jesus fulfilled hundreds of prophecies from the Old Testament. Hundreds. The, the odds of anyone who is not the Son of God doing that are impossible. Only Jesus could do that. Hundreds of prophecies, every one fulfilled. And friends, listen. All of Scripture, all of Scripture speaks about Jesus. Wherever you open the Bible up, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter, uh, Ecclesiastes, Judges, Leviticus, wherever you open up the Bible, Jesus is the subject. It's about Him. All of Scripture speaks about Jesus. Okay, then He opened their minds so they could understand the Scriptures. Verse 45. For, for years... 
Jesus had been showing his disciples that, that he, the Messiah, was the subject of the scriptures and that he had to die and rise again. And now that he died and rose again, he opens their minds so they understand it. First of all, this tells us something about Christ's power. He has the power to get in our minds and our hearts and change them. He can give us understanding that, that no one else can. And secondly, since he opened up the minds of these disciples, from here on out, the way that we see these apostles interpret the scriptures in Acts, because they do it a number of times in the book of Acts, and the way that we see them do it in their epistles, it has the direct sanction of Jesus. So it, we can trust it. Because Jesus has opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So now as they are explaining the scriptures to us throughout the rest of the New Testament, we know that that was sanctioned by Jesus himself. We can trust it. Their minds were opened. Their eyes were opened like the disciples from Emmaus just before this. Remember this story? The two disciples are walking to Emmaus. Jesus comes with them and they don't know it's Jesus the whole way. And then they're eating with him and all of a sudden their eyes were opened to see Jesus. So Jesus opens their eyes just like that. In our lesson from Ephesians today, that second lesson that was read, Paul writes, and, and we quote this always uh, before we start that Bible instruction class with you. Maybe you remember that. I pray also that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. So friends, this is what God does for us through his Holy Spirit. He opens our minds. He opens our eyes to understand the scriptures. You see, it's, it's, it's so important that we understand the scriptures. It, it isn't just about going to church. Check. It isn't just about doing your 15-minute Bible reading. Check. It, it isn't just about, you know, doing these things that, that a Christian does. And, and sometimes, like the disciples, the way that we live shows that we aren't understanding. And, and you could probably plug in for yourself what that is in your own life, right? There's times when, when we're not living in faith, when we're living in worry and panic. Obviously, we're, we're not living in understanding of who God is and what He's done for us and how He's still here for us. Or when we, you know, when, we, when, we, when we get into the sinful kind of behavior that does not show ourselves to be children of God that he has made us to be. We're not living as though we've understood that, that we understand the, the sins Christ has forgiven for us, the new life he's blessed us with. Or, or when, we, when we, we live in, in, without courage, we live in fear of, of speaking for God and we don't say the things that we should say or we, you know, say things we shouldn't say, we aren't living in the understanding of the mission he's put us on. So sometimes our, the way we live our lives, like the disciples, show that we aren't understanding. We need understanding. Our eyes need to be open to grasp what this means for us, that this is real. We, we, our eyes need to be open so we can see the living Jesus in his word, so that we can see him all throughout the scriptures, so that we can see that he is there. Um, and to be comforted with the reality that brings for us. He's in heaven ruling over all things for our good because he's won the victory over sin and death. 
And when, when our eyes have been opened by the Scriptures, by the Holy Spirit working there to understand that, we live life in a whole different way. It, it gives us a whole new way to live and, it, and, it, and a whole new joy and comfort to live with. Going on, verses 46 and 47, he told them, this is what is written, the Christ will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. So if you sum up the whole Bible, this is what it's saying to us. There is forgiveness of sins through Jesus for those who repent. The the whole Bible, that is what it is talking about. There's forgiveness of sins through Jesus to those who repent. Let our eyes be opened to that. The, the, Old, Testament, the Old Testament predicted Jesus uh, suffering, his death, his resurrection, his, and the fact that the, mes- that, that the message of repentance and forgiveness would be preached to all the nations. Hundreds of years earlier, all of that was predicted, is what Jesus is saying here. So, This is what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples. Jesus is the complete fulfillment of the Old Testament. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed in his name. Forgiveness of sins is proclaimed on the basis of Jesus' name, on the basis of what he has done for us. Beginning at Jerusalem. Beginning at Jerusalem. We've heard the, you know, there's there's the temporal, there's the... the, um, you know, the time-based thing, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. That's how their mission was going to go out. Jerusalem was the starting place, but only the starting place, and from there it would go to others. But there's more than that here. Beginning at Jerusalem. So friends, listen. I want you to preach the forgiveness of sins in my name beginning at Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the place where Jesus was put to death. The place where Jesus was rejected. The, the city that for centuries has been known for rebelling against God. Jerusalem, the grand central for sin and rebellion. Preach forgiveness of sin starting there. This is proof for all time that there is mercy from Christ for the chief of sinners, for Jerusalem. Friends, if Jerusalem can be forgiven, you and I can be forgiven. We, we've been just studying out there in Matthew uh, what was going on, what was being taught in Jerusalem. If Jerusalem can be forgiven, if, if forgiveness of sins can be preached there, it can be preached to us. Um, at this time, the, the disciples would have considered, considered Jerusalem a very awful place. Think of all they had just been through in Jerusalem uh, regarding Jesus and, and, and being jailed and everything else. It, it's not the nicest place to them. But Jesus made it very clear um, that even they... Even Jerusalem should have a chance to hear forgiveness on the basis of his name. As the Apostle Paul once said, um, you and I are the chief of sinners. Every one of you can say that about yourself. And I can say that about myself. I'm the chief of sinners. Why? Because I know, I know about all the awfulness that's inside myself. All right? You, each of you know all of the awfulness that is inside your own life and heart. That uh, stuff that I have no idea about. We know, each of us knows how sinful we are. So we are the chief, we are the leader of sinners, each of us. And yet, even we, even the chief of sinners, even people living in Jerusalem, have the chance to hear the 
message of forgiveness preached to us on the basis of what Jesus has done. Um, the next verse then says, okay, so now I, you start there. You realize forgiveness can be preached to everyone, even Jerusalem. Yes, even the Gentiles, but even Jerusalem. So we have the gospel. And then Jesus says in verse 48, you are witnesses of these things. You are witnesses. A witness is, is a person who speaks about what he has seen and heard. And the disciples now had their eyes open to this, so they had to go and tell about it. We have had our eyes opened to this, so now we have to go and tell about it. We are witnesses. In verse 49, Jesus says, I'm going to send, I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. So Jesus is talking to the apostles here and he's going to send them the Holy Spirit as promised very soon and they were to wait in the city for it. The Holy Spirit would clothe them with power. Um, that word clothe, clothed, covered, endued, in, I don't know if we use that word, endued, invested completely. So completely would the Holy Spirit fill them that the words they spoke and the words they wrote had the divine stamp of God's authority on them. That's the kind of blessing they got from the Holy Spirit. Then we get to the thing we're celebrating today. When he had led them out to the vicinity of Bethany, he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And while he was blessing them, he left them and was taken up into heaven. Have you ever dropped a, a loved one off at the airport? I know one of us has recently. Um, I had to do it a couple of weeks ago. So, so picture doing that. Or have, have any of you um, had a, a loved one, a spouse, someone dear to you, um, drive away in a car on, on some kind of trip where they're going to be gone for a while? Kind of ever have to say goodbye to someone? Has everyone had to do that? Yeah? Well, what often happens when someone is going away from you and you've dropped that loved one that you're going to miss off at the airport or they're driving away, one of the things that they will often do, especially if it's a spouse, is um, they will blow you a kiss. It's kind of the last thing that you see them doing. And in a sense, it's kind of a way, um, it's kind of a way for them to say, I love you now and I will continue, I will keep on loving you even when I'm gone until I come back, right? I love you now, and I will keep on loving you till I'm gone. In a sense, this is what Jesus was doing. Love came down to this earth. Love gave his life for us. Love came alive. And now love was ascending into heaven while blessing his people so that when love is sitting at the right hand of God, the, his blessings in the lives of his people will continue even in a higher form, even in a greater form, until he comes back and returns one day. So, uh, Jesus, the fact that Jesus was blessing us while he left us, but by blessing us while he left us, Jesus was saying, um, I love you and am blessing you now. I will keep on loving and blessing you while I'm gone in a greater way. And I will come back to love and bless you in the greatest way of all. 
Could you think of a more comforting picture of Jesus to, to keep in your mind on a day-to-day basis than that? Than, than that picture of him ascending into heaven while blessing us. He didn't, he, didn't, he didn't get done with the blessing and then go up. He was still blessing us. That means he's still, the picture here is he's still blessing us right now. But he's doing it in a way that he can do it much greater because he's in heaven ruling for all, thi- all things for our good. Is, is, there a, is there a greater picture, I think, that we can put in our minds than that? And, and as I studied this text this week, I think I now finally understand why a lot of our, you wouldn't know this, but a lot of our older churches in, in the wells, a lot of the older church buildings have up on their altar, they, they have this ornate altar, and up is this statue, like a statue of Jesus ascending into heaven, blessing the people. And now I think I get why that's there, because I think that's the comfort, most comforting picture of Jesus that we can keep in our minds now, because he's not on the cross anymore. He, he, he rose again. The last time we saw him, he's ascending into heaven, blessing us. So, so what a neat image, I guess, to have on the altar. What a, what a neat picture to remember of Jesus, to remind us that I love you now and will keep on loving you until I return. And here's the thought. If, if the angels were so moved by Jesus' birth into this world of tears and death um, that they filled up the night sky with praise, that, that how much joy and praise must they have welcomed Jesus back into heaven with as they conducted him to the right hand of the Father? Um, the right hand of the Father, this was the place Jesus earned by giving his life for us here and, and rising again to bring all people back to God. C- can you imagine the sight of the angels conducting him to the right hand of the Father? This is the imagery we have on ascension. I mean, can you imagine that? And, and here's the thing. Our eyes will be open to that because one day we will get to see that. One day that scene with Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father is a scene that we will get to see. Our eyes are going to be opened to that. Um, and our bodies will be changed and be like His when we enter the King's presence. So we read in, in 52 and 53 that then they worshipped Him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple praising God. So they worshipped Him and they were filled with joy. They weren't um, they weren't depressed or disappointed because, because Jesus had left them. They were no longer in despair. They, they worshipped and were filled with joy. They, they just saw someone actually go to heaven. They must have understood where he was going and what was happening here. And so for the disciples, the ascension of Jesus was true confirmation that Jesus was in fact God from heaven. And, and so they went back to Jerusalem as he told them to, and they went to the temple, which seemed like the most likely place for God to meet them. And what did they do while they were there? They continually worshipped God. Openly now and publicly. So they stopped hiding behind locked doors. They were worshipping openly and, and publicly. There, there's no reason to hide anymore. Their God was alive and ruling in heaven over all things. So, friends, we can stop hiding our faith now, right? Our God has ascended into heaven, he's alive, and he's ruling all things for our good. What do we have to fear? 
We can stop hiding our faith because our eyes have been opened to what this means for us. And so now we need to go and tell. We need to go and be his witnesses. We need to tell about what we have seen. All right, so here are four lessons we can take home from this text. Number one, how important the scriptures are. How important the scriptures are. The risen Jesus still points us toward the scriptures. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus, um, he told his disciples about a rich man and a poor beggar named Lazarus. Both of them died. Lazarus went to heaven. The rich man went to hell. And in hell, that rich man was begging Abraham to send Lazarus back from the dead to warn his brothers. Okay? Uh, Quoting, If someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He, Abraham, said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, that's the scriptures, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead. So now... Now that someone had risen from the dead, Jesus had risen from the dead, Jesus doesn't just show himself as risen to the disciples. He opens their minds so they can understand the scriptures. He still pointed them to the scriptures. Same thing as he does with us today. The risen Jesus still points us to the scriptures. That is where our eyes will be opened. And and that is where we will come to faith and be saved. That is how important the scriptures are. That's lesson number one. Second thing, um, forgiveness is what the Bible is all about. When you sum it all up, when your eyes have been opened to understand it all, you will see forgiveness through Jesus. That's what the Bible is all about. That is the central message. You will see forgiveness on the basis of what Jesus has done for you. you. You will repent for your sinfulness and you will see more joy than guilt in Jesus. Third, Jesus hasn't stopped blessing us. We don't have a statue up here, okay, to remind us of that picture. But I I want you to keep that image, that picture, in your minds, always. The last time that Jesus was physically visible on this earth, his hands were raised up and he was blessing his people. And now that he's in heaven ruling over all things for our good, the blessings that are still coming into our lives through our Jesus who is blessing us are greater than they have ever been before. He will never stop blessing us. So let your eyes be opened to that picture of Jesus, the picture of Jesus blessing you constantly. That never ends. And finally, the importance, the, the last lesson is the importance of being light in this world as we worship him and as we witness what we've seen. That was the disciples' response. They, they worshiped and they witnessed. There, there was a, a, a God-fearing nobleman who wanted to do something kind for his people and so he decided to build them a church. And when the church was done, all the people gathered to see how beautiful it was And they were marveling at it. But then one astute observer said, "Um, where are the lamps? How's the church going to be lighted? So the nobleman pointed to some brackets on the wall. And then he gave a, a lamp to each family. And he said, you need to bring this lamp to worship with you every time you come. 
So every time you come to church, every time you come to worship, the area where you are seated will be lighted. But whenever you, whenever you don't come to church, that area will be dark. So whenever you fail to come to church, whenever you fail to come to worship, some part of God's house is going to be dark. Friends, each one is important in worship. In worship, in our worship to gathering together, each one is important. Each one of you brings to the worship experience your light, your response, your prayers, your confessions, your love and compassion to be shared with others. Our faith lives, our stories, our joy that we have in Jesus gets shared with each other every time in our worship experience here. And when the church is full, we have the confidence of knowing that we are not alone in our faith, but we are joined together with everyone who has had their eyes opened by God. And when our church is full, the light of Christ shines brightly so that others out there in the community will come and have their eyes opened too. Amen. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding keep our hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen.